0: church. Hey, everybody on your way out, grab five of these. All right. We got them a table, 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 five of these Christmas Eve, Eve service, um, advertisements, please give them to friends, families, neighbors, and let's pack this house out on that Friday night. It's going to be awesome. So, uh, welcome online community. If you're here for the first time, my name is John. I'm the lead pastor here at the gathering place church. And, um, We've been in a series on the Holy Spirit, and you know, whenever you want to see something happen, you need to preach on it, because then you understand it, your faith increases, and then God responds to faith. Uh, we had a gal here last week, uh, last couple of weeks, a uh, young couple, and she came the first time with her husband, and then they came the second time last week. She came up for prayer, and Pastor Mark was praying for her, and um, the power of God just started coming all over her. She said i feel like i can't stand up anymore and they, mark said well why don't you just sit down so you don't hurt yourself and she ends up laying down and then the spirit of god comes on her with holy laughter and she just bursts into joy she came for physical healing and she said um after it was all said and done she goes uh, what did she say mark oh she said uh, i've heard about i've heard about this, heard about this but, I never, it was but real. I never thought it was real yeah isn't that awesome isn't that awesome And then she went to Mark's Connect Group on Wednesday night and she said that all the physical symptoms of her body were gone as well. And so, yeah. And so it's so important for us here at the Gathering Place Church, not just to teach about the gospel, but to experience the power of the gospel. Amen. And so we've been in a series for the last couple of months on the Holy Spirit, because we want more of the Holy Spirit's Dynamic happening in our families and our homes and our churches and our connect groups and our gatherings more salvation more healing more deliverance We're not just a teaching church, but a demonstration of the power of god church And uh, because that's who god is and so I want to ask you a question though As we've been in this series the last couple of months on the holy spirit Here's the question for you. What do you think? is the holy spirit's primary purpose in our lives Just think about it for a second, and you can shout out your answer, whether it's right or wrong. I'll let you know that in a minute. (laughs) What do you believe is the Holy Spirit's primary purpose? To encourage us, us, us lead us. What's that? Say it out loud and proud, girl. You're in church. You can't half-step Jesus. Come on, all the way. Bring us joy and love. Point us to Jesus. Somebody else? hmm convict us us? Remind us remind us of God yeah the Holy Spirit does all of these things but I want to propose to you today that the primary purpose of the Holy Spirit in our lives is to glorify Jesus yeah well too late too late I already said it you should have shouted it out girl Come on now. Out of all the people in the church that going to be silent, I wouldn't think it would be you, Mary. Come on. So let's try this. Let's try this again. What do you believe, Mary, is the Holy Spirit's primary purpose in our lives? There it is. All right. You're right. The Spirit of God never draws attention to Himself. He is always pointing us to Jesus. He's always pointing people to Jesus for salvation, points us to Jesus for worship, points us to Jesus for deliverance, for healing. In this season that we are in, this Christmas season is supposed to be about Jesus. We are just so human and we make it about everything else. I'm asking the Holy Spirit for this next month to illuminate Jesus to us all over again. So that this season for us truly is about Him. Can I hear an amen? Amen. And this will not happen without the Holy Spirit. You see, when people doubt encounters with the Holy Spirit, some say that was of the devil, some say you just made that up. Um, People that are doubters and critics of these encounters, uh, especially those that are uncomfortable with them, here's how you can know that you truly had an encounter with the Holy Spirit. It drew you closer to Jesus. You love him more. You desire to be in the word more. You experience uh, his heart of love for you. And it makes you love him, worship him, desire him. See, the Holy Spirit illuminates Christ to us. Like in the same way that we plug in our Christmas tree, you set it up and there it is. You plug it in and bam, it's just so beautiful. Like this tree right back here. Well, Jesus doesn't need to be plugged in. Okay, He is the source. But the Holy Spirit has to illuminate, open up our eyes so that we can see Jesus' brilliance. You and I cannot, nobody on the planet can know who Jesus truly is unless the Holy Spirit illuminates him to us. Amen. And so his whole ministry, his whole purpose in our lives is to glorify Jesus. Look what John, Jesus said about the Holy Spirit in John chapter 16. But when the Spirit of truth comes... Satan is the father of lies, Jesus said. The Holy Spirit is the spirit of truth. He will lead you into all the truth. Not it. The Holy Spirit is a person, the third person of the Godhead. He will lead you into all truth. He will not speak his own words. But he will speak only what he hears. And he will tell you what is to come. The spirit of truth will bring glory to me. There it is. Because he will take what I have to say and tell it to you All that I all that the father has is mine It all culminates in christ. That is why I said the spirit will take what I have to say and tell it to you So whenever the holy spirit is speaking to you He's telling you what jesus is saying to you The holy spirit never tells you something on his own accord He hears what jesus is saying and then he tells it to you He sees what jesus is doing and then he shows it to you God wants you to do something, to be something, to go somewhere. The Spirit of God will tell you about it. He is the communicator between heaven and earth. Can I hear it? Amen. Amen. amen? amen. So, his primary purpose is to glorify Jesus, which is to light up brilliantly. So, I want us to look very quickly today at three ways the Holy Spirit glorifies Jesus in your life. Number one, the Holy Spirit will glorify Jesus to you. He will glorify Jesus to you. He will enable you to see him. Book of Matthew says this, then he asked them to Peter and to his disciples, but who do you say that I am? Who do you say that I am? He was asking them the question, who do people say that I am? Well, some say you're John the Baptist, buried some of the dead. Some say you're Elijah, you know, reincarnated and Jesus, said, but who do you say that I am? Now, G- now Peter and James and John and Matthew and these guys, they had already left Everybody had lost their friends. Their families ostracized them. They'd lost their jobs because they chose to follow Jesus. By the way, that could happen to you as well. Once you decide that you're going to follow Jesus, Jesus said you have to go all the way or you won't make it. Because the pressure and persecution and peer pressure is going to be too much for you. Because the world's going this way, I'm calling you to go that way. And if you try to half-step, you're going to do the splits you you can't function like this, so check this out so Peter, now this is so important for us. listen to this. you can be in church, you can grow up in church you can you can uh, read the Bible and not know Jesus. It's so dangerous to be in this. And think you know all there is to know about Jesus and the Bible and church and all that. Like, you know, a lot of people think they're gonna die and go to church. No, this is just like a like a, a vehicle to roll in on our way to Him. And as we gather together as His people on earth, His presence comes among us. But this is temporary. This is the pit stop on the way to heaven. He is what this is all about. Amen. And you can literally grow up in a Christian home and not know Jesus. And so here's Peter. He's like, Hey, I've left all to follow you. He's, like, Yeah, but who do you say that I truly am, Peter? That moment has to happen for every individual on the planet for them to have that connection Jesus is talking about. How does it happen? Well, let's read and find out. Simon Peter answered, You're the Messiah, the Son of the living God. And Jesus replied, You are blessed, Simon, son of John, because my Father in heaven has revealed this to you. You did not learn This from any human being. It was in that moment that Peter realized who Jesus truly was. Because in that moment, the Holy Spirit opened his spiritual eyes. Without the Holy Spirit, you cannot know who Jesus is. And so now, Peter's like, oh, all right, I get it. I know who he is now. And Jesus, is like, <laughs> you know, like this much of who I am. <laughs> That's another dangerous thing about growing up in church and being in church forever, right? Oh, I've heard that before. Oh, I've read that before. Oh, so you know all about him then? You know everything. I had somebody tell me that recently. I know all there is to know about Jesus. I laughed out loud. It's like, is he is the eternal? unlimited unending god wrapped in human flesh and peter's like oh you're the christ the son of the living god he he got a little just a little tiny revelation of jesus and you know the next thing he did he corrected jesus that's another another dangerous thing once we get a little revelation of christ me and jesus we're tight I'll help you out. I'll help you out a little bit. Yeah, here you go. So Jesus starts telling them, I'm going to be crucified. And Peter said, oh, no, Lord, that, that's not a good plan. Let's not do that. <laughs> Literally starts to school Jesus on what he ought to do next. And Jesus turns around to the guy who just got the revelation of who he was in front of all of his friends and said, get behind me, Satan. That spiritual pride and arrogance, man, it creeps up on us, doesn't it? And so the next day, Jesus takes Peter, James, and John up onto a mountain to pray like he had done many times. And all of a sudden, all of a sudden, Jesus reveals his glory and his face shone like the sun. And then Moses appears. He's been dead a long time, folks. Then Elijah appears. He's been dead a long time. Moses represents the law. Elijah represents the prophets, and then there's Jesus, the Son of God. Now you would think what you and I would do in this moment is fall on our face in worship, right? But what's Peter do? Hey, I got a great idea. Let's have some tri-tip barbecue. Let's, let's, let's pick up. I'll make a tent for Moses, one for Elijah, and one for Jesus. We can all camp out up here. This is going to be great. And this voice comes from heaven. The Father basically says, Peter, shut up. How many of you can identify with Peter? Come on. How many of you in here, we all love Peter, right? When the Lord called me to be a pastor, I had literally said this to him. That's a really bad idea. That's a huge mistake. I don't care about anybody but myself. Please don't do this to them. And then he gave me a pastor's heart, which is awful. All right. (laughs) Because it hurts all the time for hurting people. Then you come down from the mountain, and once you've had a revelation like this, where you've seen who Jesus truly is, and then he shows you a little more of himself. And then you have another encounter, like a, a, a holy laughing experience. Now she's had that encounter. A gal that was here last week. And now she's got to, what, tell her mom and dad about it? Tell her brother and sister about it? Tell her, her, well, she's married. Her husband was here, fortunately, so he saw it himself. What if he wasn't here? And you got to go home and try to explain to your husband about this encounter you had. And, and now all of a sudden, it's like you're having to relate to people who don't believe in Jesus, don't know Jesus, don't know the Holy Spirit, haven't had these encounters. And now you're having to navigate and negotiate that. And not everybody's going to receive it. Well, and so what do we do? We do what Jesus does. And we pray that people's eyes should be opened by the Holy Spirit so that they can see him too. Can I hear an Amen. I'm going to show you one more uh, scripture on this point and we'll move to the second point about how the Holy Spirit glorifies Jesus in your lives. He reveals Jesus to you. So he does this gradually. As you seek him, if you're always on your phone, if TikTok, if you're addicted to TikTok or social media or uh, media um, or it's always entertainment or it's always sports or whatever it is, Jesus loves you 100% always will, but you're not going to know him. You, you, you'll know about him. It's like, it's like a friend that you never hang out with. You don't know what's going on in their life today. You don't know where they're working. You don't know if they have a boyfriend or a girlfriend. You don't know if they're sad or happy. You don't know if they got a career. You don't know if they're going. So you don't know anything about them. I mean, you don't know them now in this moment. And That's what fasting is for, and prayer is for, and worship is for, and going to church is for, and reading the Word is for. These things aren't things we have to do because we're Christians. These are the ways that we seek God. And as he sees you setting your phone down and picking up the Bible, the Holy Spirit's like, oh, oh, I'm going to show you something. And now you're seeking him, ask, seek, knock, and he begins to open your eyes. And you start to hear his voice, and you start having encounters with him. You get revelation of him. Your heart grows hotter for him. Your worship goes higher. Your sacrifice goes deeper because you're seeking him. You stop seeking him, and you stop seeking him, and you stop seeking him. You just, I'm not in, and you start doing these, all, all these other things. These other things aren't bad, but if they're consuming your time and filling your heart and mind and soul, it's like no wonder you're not excited about Jesus. You're not spending any time with him. Amen. It's like the guy that stopped going to church, so the pastor goes to his house, knocks on the door. The guy says, come in. He comes in. The guy's sitting in front of his fireplace. The pastor sat down next to him, didn't say a word. They sat there and just looked at the fire. After a little bit, the pastor got the tongs, picked up a log that was on fire, set it off into the corner of the fireplace, and just sat back down. And they both just watched it go out. And then the pastor got up and left. The guy was back in church the next Sunday. See, these things aren't duties we have to do. They're not obligations. We're seeking God. We're seeking God together, family, right? That's what we're doing here. We're seeking him, and he loves it. So check this out. John meets Jesus as a teenager. It was like A.D. 30-ish. Now it's A.D. 95. And John is put out on an island a penal colony to die prisoner for preaching the gospel and it says in Revelation chapter 1 I was in the spirit on the Lord's day what does that mean? what does that mean? I was in the spirit on the Lord's day he was caught up in the spirit of God how did that happen? How how did he end up in the spirit? On the Lord's Day, the Lord's Day being Sunday, the day that Jesus rose from the dead, it's called the Lord's Day. That's why we gather once a week to come worship Him. He loves it when we come to His house, by the way. Every father loves it when their children come home and they're all hanging out together and they're getting along and we're laughing. It's my favorite thing. Easter or Christmas, when was it? Thanksgiving. That's all screwed up. Well, Hope and I spent Thanksgiving in the hospital. We were there for five days last week. So we had Thanksgiving on Saturday. All my kids are there, my three daughters had their boyfriends there, and you know, my mother-in-law's there, and our dogs and our cats and everybody's there. My son was there with a couple of friends. It was I loved it. It was full. It was everybody's happy and we're enjoying it. That's how God feels when we come to church. Amen. We're coming to God's house. He wants his children all over the world to come to his house every week. And then his presence feels The house when we're here. And he touches and heals and saves and delivers. So John is caught up in the Spirit on the Lord's Day. How did he get caught up in the Spirit? He went to church. By himself on an island. He began worshiping Jesus on the Lord's Day. And the Spirit of God caught him up. And he says, I was in the Spirit on the Lord's Day. And I heard behind me a loud voice. He's in the spirit and he hears something that's not happening in the natural realm. This is in the spiritual realm. It's in the unseen realm. It's in the supernatural realm. The spirit of God opened his eyes. First, he opened his ears. I heard a loud voice as of a trumpet saying, I am the alpha and the omega, the first and the last. What you see, Uh uh-oh, now he's going to see something in the Spirit. Write in a book and send it to the seven churches, which are in Asia, to Ephesus, to Smyrna, to Pergamos, to Thyatira, to Sardis, to Philadelphia, and to Laodicea. I promise you, if you're getting closer to Jesus, he's talking to you about his church. John gets caught up in the Spirit on the Lord's Day, and Jesus says, I want to talk to you about my churches. Write him a letter. Jesus made the church died for the church is coming back for the church he calls the church his bride send a letter he said then i turned to see the voice that spoke with me and having turned i saw seven golden lampstands in the midst of the seven lampstands one like the son of man clothed with a garment down to his feet girded about his chest with the golden he wouldn't have seen any of this if he wasn't in the spirit he wouldn't have seen any of this if he wasn't seeking jesus You miss out on so much when you don't seek him. He doesn't force himself on anybody. But if you choose to seek the Lord, he will begin to reveal himself to you. So here's John, an old man. Been walking with Jesus since he was a teenager. It's Sunday. I'm going to worship Jesus. He begins to worship him. Bam! His eyes open. His ears open. He's like, whoa. That's where we got the book of Revelation from. Jesus said, I'm going to show you some stuff. I want you to write it down. Remember he said, the spirit of truth will show you things to come. He showed him heaven. His head and his hair were like white as wool, white as snow. His eyes like a flame of fire. John could have thought at this point. Come on now. He met Jesus when he was a teenager. He walked. He lived with him for three and a half years. Ate with him. Lived with him. Saw the miracles. Did miracles with him. Then he's been praying and fasting for what 70 years at this point or 60 years. He's been having encounter after encounter after encounter. He clearly could have probably said, I know there all is, I know that all there is to know about the Son of God. Come on. I personally knew him. And now I've been walking with him for decades. I have so many stories and encounters, I can't tell you all of them. And then one day he's just worshiping, and the Spirit of God says, Oh, he ain't seen nothing yet. He ain't seen nothing yet. And he sees Jesus, the resurrected Christ, hair like white as wool, fire coming out of his eyes, a two-edged sword out of his mouth. And it says, he goes on and says, when I saw him, verse 17, I fell at his feet as dead. But he laid his right hand on me saying, do not be afraid. I'm the first and the last. I'm he who lives I was dead and behold, I live forevermore. Amen. And I have the keys of hell and of death. Write these things which you have seen and the things which are and the things which will take place after this. The mystery of the seven stars which you saw in my right hand and the seven golden lampstands. These are the seven stars of the angels of the seven churches and the seven lampstands which you saw are the seven churches. We just will never know Jesus in all his fullness until we get there. And we see him in all his fullness and all his glory. Some folks have had their eyes opened and they've seen glimpses of him like this. One time I was at a meeting. You may have heard me tell this. Some of you haven't. I was in my 20s, I think. I was a pastor on staff out in East County. We went to a, Texas for a convention, and there's about 3,000 pastors there. And I'm sitting there, second row, right in the aisle. And you know, preacher after preacher coming up and preaching, and it was great. Then one preacher got him up, and he just started worshiping. He didn't even say hello. He didn't preach. He just started worshiping and worshiping and worshiping and worshiping. I was like, well, I guess we're going to worship, so I started worshiping. All of a sudden. It was like less than a second. The Spirit of God opened my spiritual eyes, and I saw Jesus walking through a town when he was on earth. I knew it was back in the first century when Jesus was on earth. He's walking through a crowd, and this glory, I can't explain it. It was just like this cloud of whiteness was just following. There's a cloud of, and he's walking through this crowd, and I saw that. And that's all I saw. It was that fast, and I just started weeping. It was so glorious. It was so other than. it was so transcendent. It was so I mean, it was you can't, you can't explain it with human words when you see him like that. And I started weeping and I was about to slink down onto the floor because I couldn't stay in my chair. So I grabbed a hold of my friend who was in front of me who was worshiping and I grabbed his arm because I was so, this will sound, I don't know how you'll interpret this, but it was, I was terrified to be alone with the Lord. I mean, he's just so holy. And I'm grabbing his arm and finally my friend who's one of the worship ones and just took it you know ripped his arm out of my hand because he wanted to worship like the presence of god had filled the house and i'm yanking him down onto the floor with me because i don't want to be alone and he just goes, "Leave me you know like he didn't say it It's like get off me man (laughs) i want to worship jesus i wept on the floor for a couple hours then my pastor came to me and said hey it was oral roberts and and a handful of others you know just like globally renowned preachers were there. And I was a you know, a young guy being raised up in the ministry. My pastor said, hey, they want to go out to lunch. They want to go out to dinner, and I want to invite you along. You know, this is a major open door. I said, no thank you. I want to go back to my hotel room and be alone with Jesus. Amen. You see, all earthly things didn't matter to me anymore. Promotion, opportunities, uh, the power of man. There's no comparison when you see him and when you know him. I went back to my hotel room. I wept all night long, talking about conviction. The holiness of God just was just revealing my humanity. Like Peter. He's fishing with Jesus in the boat. It's just a rabbi. It's just this guy named Jesus. I'm a fisherman. You're using my boat to preach. Okay. I did you a favor. Now you want me to go out and do what? You want me to Throw the net down over the net uh, over the, in, in the water. Okay, I'll do that. And he does it, and it's a miracle. And then what's Peter's response? When he realizes who Jesus is. What's he do? He falls down on his knees and says, depart from me. I'm a sinful man. Oh God. But Jesus didn't shame him. Jesus knew he was a sinful man. He didn't say, yeah, you know what? Actually, I want to talk to you about that. That's not what he did. He said, Come follow me. I'm going to make you fishers of men. He called him into his identity and his destiny. God's not going to shame us over our sin. He's trying to elevate us and draw us up into him for his divine purposes and relationship. It's kind of like Mephibosheth in the Old Testament. This kid that got dropped when he's five years old and he's lame and he's the king's grandson and then David becomes king Here's the king, the new king sitting at the king's table, he reigns and rules in the kingdom and what you normally do when you become the new king is you wipe out the previous king's family, all the way down to the dog, because you don't want any of the children or grandchildren rising up to try to take back their father's kingdom. But David, out of loyalty to his friend Jonathan, who was the previous king's son, you can read this in the Old Testament, said, is there anybody of Jonathan's household that I may show the kindness of God to? And they said, well, there's this guy, but, you know, he's not much. He said, go get him. So David sends his horses and his, you know, his, his, his soldiers over there, you know, trumpets blaring. Now, of course, this grandson thinks. They're coming to kill me. It's over. And he can't run because it says he was paralyzed from the waist down. Can't go anywhere. Can't get away. They pick him up. They're taking him to the castle. You, Mark, you know he was scared to death. And when he gets to the castle, what does David say to him? Son, you... Sit in that seat right next to me at the king's table for the rest of your life. And then he points at this other guy and says, you, you're his servant. And you take care of his land and you take care of all his stuff. Can you imagine being a Mephibosheth? Well, guess what? You are. You are. We are all spiritually lame. And Jesus says, I want him and her and him and him and her and her and him and him. How many of you are like, who, me? How many of you are like, come on. How many of you, who, me? Seriously? We get to share in his glory. Here's what the Apostle Paul says. I'm going to show you another example of his eyes. When he opens your eyes. Paul, whose name was Saul, was persecuting the church, having Christians murdered. Hated Christians. Thought it was a false religion. He was there when they were stoning Stephen to death. The first martyr in the New Testament. Paul was standing there collecting everybody's coats while they stoned Stephen to death. For preaching Christ. Then Jesus appears to Saul. The resurrected Jesus appears to him. Changes his name to Paul. And Paul ends up being the apostle of the church. Planting thousands and thousands and thousands of churches all over the world. Wrote two-thirds of the New Testament, our Bible. What did Paul say about Jesus when his eyes were opened spiritually? Listen to this. Christ, Paul says, is the visible image of the invisible God. (laughs) Wow, what a change of heart. He's singing a completely different tune about Jesus. He existed before anything was created and is supreme over all creation. For through him, God created everything in the heavenly realms and on earth. He made the things we can see and the things we can't see. Such as thrones, kingdoms, rulers, and authorities in the unseen world. Everything was created through Jesus and for Jesus. He existed before anything else. And he holds all creation together. Wow. Christ is also the head of the church this gets to be our guy this is our captain this is the guy we get to be the leader of our team the guy that holds all creation together he is the head of the church which is his body that's us he is the beginning he is the beginning supreme over all who rise from the dead so he is the first in everything I've run out of time. That was point one of three. <laughs> oh my gosh, we could just keep talking about him. Lord, I pray, Holy Spirit, open our eyes. Don't let us be in church and think we know. Spirit of truth, spirit of wisdom and revelation. And the knowledge of Him. I'm asking, starting right now, that you would open our eyes to see Jesus for who He truly is. Let's all stand and let's go back into worship. Let's worship Him. And then we're going to pray for you. Anybody's going to want prayer, baptism of the Holy Spirit, power of God to come on you, physical healing for your body. Let's just let Jesus be Jesus in His own place, in His own house. Come on, let's worship Him. Invite the Holy Spirit to touch you. Tell Him. Now listen, I want to say this before we start. You could stand there or sit there and just like watch and nothing will happen for you. Remember, God won't force Himself on you. But if you are willing to engage, as Pastor Josh says, an encounter takes participation. If you will let Jesus know, I I want more of you. I want to know you more. I, I really do. Touch me. Open my eyes. Open my ears. Just, Lord, come. He will respond to that. He will respond. Come on, church. Let's worship Him.
1: It's awakening the hope in me by calling for my destiny. Breathing life into my soul, I will thirst for Him and Him alone. He has gone like the rain that showers on the barren place and so my heart and tongue confess. my destiny he's breathing life into my soul I will thirst for him and in my he has gone like the rain yeah. showers on the barren Guys the Giving his heart to the broken, sharing his home with the orphan. He is the joy, he is my joy, he is the hope of the nations. The Father's heart, we're embracing. He is the song we're declaring. He is the joy, he is my joy. He's bringing hope to the hopeless. Giving his heart to the broken. Sharing his home with the orphan. He is the joy, he is my joy. He is the hope of the nation. Come on. Heart, we embracing. He is the song we're declaring. Oh, yeah. Oh, it hope for us. sing a chorus together with you. As we've placed our hope in Christ right now, let us fix our eyes on Him and see Him as He is when our eyes are opened. This will just be guitar and vocals, but I really want us to have a holy moment here as we sing to Him. Can we do that?